Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Last week we talked about how your experience as a Game Master can make you a better player. Today we're going to be talking about how your experience as a player can help improve your GM experience. Today in the studio, my name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the world of wrath and semi-professional DM and Ed. Okay, guys, you are not going to believe this. The other day I was in this game and I told them what I wanted to do. And someone actually made him, made me determine it by random chance. Do they know who I am? So today we are talking about taking your experience as a player, taking that back to the DM seat and how what you did while you're on the far side of the table can help you when you're back up at the head of the table running a game. Um, the biggest ones that we were looking at when we were talking about this pre-show regarded emulating behaviors that you had seen. Um, whether we're talking good behaviors to want to try to do or bad behaviors to avoid. That was really, I think, the biggest takeaway that we had. Um, so let's start with talking about identifying the weaknesses of other DMs and how that can uh, influence your role as a DM when you come back to the seat. You know, we've all had times where we've played in games that were less than optimally run, and hopefully we were able to take a look at those, figure out what about it was kind of frustrating or disappointing or turning us off from the game so that we can avoid that in our games that we're running as DMs in the future. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that's one of the, the things that I try to look for when I'm playing in games, you know, with other people is, you know, I'm not looking for to nitpick or, or be, or be overcritical, but I'm trying, I'm just trying to be observant of, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And try to take, you know, and learn from it in any way, shape or form I can. So even if they're doing poorly or they're doing things that I don't necessarily like, especially if it's something that as a player, like even if you're not actively critiquing, but that you would just be like, I'm not having fun or I'm not enjoying something or I don't appreciate the way that something was handled. Instead of just, you know, kind of like internally or externally venting or, or complaining about it, just make a mental note like, you know, or maybe even a physical note and just, hey. I didn't really like what they did here. I should make sure that I'm not doing that myself. Right. You know, you know, yeah. and, and learn from, you know, like I'm going to learn from their mistake. You know, I don't like the way that they handled this particular situation. Now that I think about it, I might've handled a situation similar to that, you know, in that way myself in the past. Now I know how frustrating it is being on the other end of that. And now I know to try to, you know, see if I can think of a better way to handle that. Or I I know that having just, you know, lived through that, I would have appreciated that being handled like this. And I, th I think it's really important to not just, oh, they handled it wrong. But why did that unsettle me? What was right. it about what they did? What behavior made me go? They didn't handle that right. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you're just looking at specific situations which are, may not arise. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things. Everyone is a teacher, so you can learn something from from everyone, even, you know, even those who, you know, maybe you go into a situation, you don't like how it's handled, that sort of thing. Uh, one of my biggest peeves as a GM, as a player, as a gamer is roles that aren't necessary for things like my character goes out 
my character goes outside on a busy street. Do I see a car? Roll perception. Really? I'm rolling perception to see if there's a car on a street? Like, I mean, is it... Is there a chance I won't be able to figure it out? Right. <laughs> Just, is there one or not? You know? Is if it? I'm looking for a specific car, sure. Like, if I'm looking for, oh, well, the, the villain is getting away in, you know, a specific car. Okay, I have to go find that. Yeah, all right. That's when I have to roll to try to figure out what's going on. But think of it. Anyone, uh, you know, your downtown area... Go down there, look around, see if you can find a car. How hard is that? Are we going to give a time limit on this exercise? <laughs> I don't know. Do right? they have to find the car within like a half an hour? So that's, you know, that's sort of a, a you know, that's an example, kind of a dramatic yeah. example there. But you, you know, sometimes, you know, you're doing mundane things. You're asking a really simple question, you know, like what's the color of the ceiling, you know, and you the the maybe okay maybe it's too dark so you can't quite see but that's all you have to say no well, well, it's too dark you can't quite you can't quite make it out you know or it's light enough that you can see it so there's no role necessary so personally where i'm not a huge fan of that i have to make sure that i'm not doing that as well someone's going to walk across the street i'm not going to make them roll a dexterity save to make sure they don't fall down you know yeah okay in real life sometimes people trip but that's just not something that i care about in my game yeah, I mean, typically you're playing hero level characters. I mean, you're not your everyday Joe Schmo that's going to typically trip over their feet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we've done an, an episode about about yes, we not have. needing roles for right. mundane yeah. tasks. Um, but that was sort of an example. So if that's yeah. a thing that a GM does that you don't like, make sure that you are not doing it. So maybe there's a thing. So maybe it's not a mechanical. Maybe it's. Um, based on the way that they, you know, maybe have puzzles in their game or the way they tell the story in their game or whatever it is, maybe you're like, hmm, I'm not sure that I like this sort of thing, so I'm going to make sure I don't do it. I had a, actually a good example for a, for a procedural for running a game. Mm -hmm. um, we were playing a horror fantasy, and as we're heading down the road, night's starting to fall, and we can hear these wolves howling in the distance, and the farmer says, oh, what are you doing out on the roads at night? Get inside, get inside. You know, it's all this really nice ambiance and, and environment being set up as this is a very dangerous land and you don't go out. Um, and one of the players decided they wanted to hunt these wolves that we heard in the distance. And really, it was just thrown in as an aside, like, oh, and you hear some wolves howling. So he monopolized the GM's time. Um, and the person running the game was relatively new to running games. So they kind of went along with this little more experienced player and like, OK, well, yeah, you can try to hunt and trap and do this and spent 40 minutes working with this one player. And I remember sitting on the other side of like, I'm just like the DM should either be saying, OK, we're done here or, you know, maybe even just needs to, to smack the player down. OK, you want to go hunting the wolves now a pack of 20 dire wolves show up. Now, what do you do? Start working on your next character, maybe? Right. Because sometimes you need to smack down a player. Um, and I didn't really realize that a player could need that type of prodding, that type of negativity, without malicious intent. This person wasn't being mean about it. It wasn't like nobody else can do anything because we all have to pay attention to me. He's just, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. Yeah. Um. 
So it's just seeing that as a player, I'm so the GM really nothing. wasn't controlling the situation essentially. Right. And, and he wasn't sh- sharing the spotlight, which we've talked about. And right. We see that come up. So in my games now, I'm always very much conscious of how much time am I spending with this player? You know, how, how much time did I spend with that player? How long has it been since we checked in with this player? Right. Um, and hopefully I become a better DM for it. Yeah, I think like Jerry said, it's it's very important to make sure you're identifying like what you know I would refer to as like the root cause. Like, why is this bothering me? Why is this a problem? Why do I disagree with the the choice of how to handle something? Because that's where you're gonna like really learn. You know what I mean? Like you said, otherwise you're just looking at a situation going, I don't like it. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah, and that's when you're just in complain mode and you're not learning anything. Yeah, you know? why don't you like it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're not if you're not analyzing and asking why, 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 you know, do, you know, getting down to the root, you know, the root situation, the root problem, the root cause of what's going on and and why it, you don't why you don't agree with it or why you consider it a negative behavior or whatever you want to refer to it as or whatever the situation is, you're like that, you know, you're not going to be learning if you don't get to that that the 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 root of the whole situation so but yeah i mean again you're you're learning from that you know so bad dms can teach you too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um we also you know kind of have the the other side of the coin rather than identifying the weaknesses um what we labeled as the unfun behaviors mm-hmm. which is when a dm does something and you kind of catch yourself like oh man i do that too from a player point of view this isn't as good as i thought it was yeah, maybe they're just boring the table, you know, maybe they're over describing every room in a dungeon, you know, just simple little things like that where they're technically not doing anything wrong procedurally, mechanically. They're not, you know, but they're just just the way they're running the game or a choice that they, you know, that they made and how they're running the game or what's going on. It's just simple things like that where you're like, yeah, this is kind of boring. I'm falling asleep over here. Yeah. Or maybe the game doesn't have a good balance between, you know, role playing and, you know, adventuring and or combat or something like that. You know, maybe half the tables has like combat machines and you're going like two or three sessions without any combat. You know, like those just like choices that are being made by the GM. Where you're like, this just it's kind of we're boring. It's boring. I need to make sure that I'm conscious of like character builds, player preferences, you know, just little takeaways like that. I think that's going to be your big opportunity there for like unfun unfun behaviors you know again like i think the perfect example is half the party being a combat machine and not having a combat yeah. for three sessions you right. know what i mean or like every npc you you meet is unbeatable right you know like every npc you know yeah. like your your character so you're so you're playing a barbarian so you're probably a biggish you know character strong you got a, a weapon of some sort and you probably are somewhat intimidating but like every shopkeep in the world just stares you down like get out of my shop or you're dead or you know it's yeah. like really like or the party doesn't win combats npcs win combats yeah you know? like oh, yeah you're sitting there and you're no matter what you do you can't beat an opponent or an, uh, you know a, a situation and then the npc comes along and just does it for the group like why are we here right you know what's the point of us being here yeah those again those are just choices that the gm made that aren't fun for the group they, you know and these are just some examples these aren't the only ones or or the or maybe not even the worst ones, just some things that are coming to mind that, you know, to, to give you a frame of reference. Yeah, we, were, we were talking when we were talking about identifying weaknesses and unfun behaviors in the pre-show. We went on a bit of tangents on specific DMs that we had had and and the things that we had learned from them. So, you know, 
wherever you go, you're going to find that happening. It's just a matter of identifying it. Um, then we have the positive side of looking at, and that's yes. what we noted. In our list. Sorry to start off so negative, but yeah. of of doing what you liked. Yeah, exactly. Which is if you did, if a DM did something, they did something well. How can you do that? You want to <laughs> expand on that a bit? I do. <laughs> I felt like you hadn't been talking much, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> want me to do it? <laughs> yeah so uh you know, the, exactly it's just the flip side of the coin for that so you're 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 taking positive takeaways instead of learning from you know what you might consider a gm's mistake you're learning from you know what that you consider to be you know like nailing you know like hitting the, the nail right on the head like i really liked what they did here i had never thought of doing something like this yeah. maybe yeah. they ran a puzzle in a unique way or, or presented a puzzle you'd never even seen before or you know, maybe they're bringing props to the table or, you know, that, you know, like, I never thought about bringing props to the table. Maybe, you know, they have been scouring the Internet for custom cool battle maps and then going to a printer and having them printed off for you. So you can have them at the table for your uh, your, you know, for your mini play instead of just drawing on a, like a whiteboard or something like that. Just any little things like that that you that you weren't doing or you hadn't thought of. Or maybe it's something that you had thought of before, but you weren't sure was going to really hit it off with your group if you play with the same group when you knew GM. But then, like, everyone loves the, the you know loves it when this GM does it. Now, okay, all right, I know what worked for them. I'm going to use it in my game now. Yeah, maybe they designed a really good, a really fun encounter or, like, a, a chase scene, mm-hmm. you know, or something along those lines. Yeah, uh, there's – when you're looking at the different traits that the a GM that you're playing under has, you can, you know – you're going to have those moments like, oh, that was pretty cool. And, and that's sort of what you want to think about uh, and say, OK, well, since I like that, maybe I should try that. You know, maybe they role played a character a certain way. Maybe they, you know, maybe it's just their overall storyline. Like, you know, the, the the way they presented their arcs and the way everything sort of is falling in. Like, it's just a really fun, compelling story. Like, you know, you're into it, you know, whether or not the other stuff is is good. You know, if you're into it, it's probably at least passable, mm-hmm. but maybe just the story itself is like, I want to keep going with this, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's the way they designed the dungeon or where they presented something, described something. The fact that they have a, a, a nice story arc that, but it has multiple paths that might, maybe they all end up in the same spot. Maybe they take you in different directions. <coughs> There's just lots of little nuances or in even larger nuances and, you know, and, and bigger things that you can learn from other GMs, you know, which is also why I can, you know, think YouTube is such a great, you know, resource online because you can yeah. actually watch, you don't have to actually play with, you know, maybe you've only ever played with one or two GMs your whole life, but now you can go online and see other people in action and take and learn the same thing. Like you're not at the table with them, but you get to see in action. Like I like what, you know, I like what this guy did here. I like what this guy did there. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I never thought of that. And outside of what they do, like at the table, maybe also how they handle situations. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the, maybe the GM is really good at keeping everyone focused for the game. You know, sometimes you're playing games and people can start going off on tangents, talking about things and it can waste some time. Right. Maybe you you find a GM who's really good at keeping everybody on topic and ready to go. So you're like, okay, I want to do that. So my game is a little more efficient. Mm-hmm. Maybe you find someone who's really good at dealing with interpersonal conflicts. I don't agree with this rule. Well, how does this GM handle it? You know, maybe with GMs who are just complete douches about it. Well, if you don't agree with it, too bad. Which, 
yeah, okay, you are the GM. So in a way, that's sort of the unwritten rule, but you don't have to be a dick about it. You can, you can, yeah. you know, just say to people, hey, well, this is what we're going to go with now, that sort of thing. So you pick those sorts of things up, apply them to yourselves or yourself, and that can help you become a better game master so that you run better games. And maybe the players in your games learn from you. And when they want to run a game, you're their model. Mm-hmm. And since you're constantly improving yourself or trying to, hopefully, then they will be an efficient game master when they try. Um, you can also pick up techniques and mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had a couple of different ways of running initiative based on, okay, I'm going to do this and then I do that and these don't work. And then I play with a with a GM and here's how he does initiative. And I'm like, I like that. I'm going to incorporate it. Mm-hmm. Or... You know, I remember early on when we first started doing some of the game, the even the pre-podcast Game Master stuff, when Jared first brought up the idea of cutscenes and monologues, yeah. um, which we've done a previous show on. I remember I first heard that. I'm like, that's not going to work. It's good. It's not going to fit in a game. It's going to break immersion. And then Jared used them very effectively mm-hmm. in the campaign. And I'm like, well, maybe I need to start looking at maybe I could fit it in somewhere. Yeah, you're actually your initiative thing actually uh, sparked something in me there. I ha- I was in a game that I was playing in. It was Vampire the Masquerade, and they were using the initiative rules of after you roll initiative, the last person declares what they're doing, yep. and you go up the line, and then the the first the person with the highest initiative declares, and then goes, and you go back down the line. And I re- like that GM used that really well, and that was. A very interesting. I'd never been in a game where they tried that, to use that before. They just did just more standard, just roll and add things and you go. I thought that was a really sort of awesome thing. I tried to do it myself. Now, in this case, I didn't do it very well. I kept forgetting to go back to it and, you know, wasn't keeping track of things very well. So that's on me. That was my own failure. But that's an instance where I saw something that a GM did. I really liked it. I tried to use it myself. Maybe it just wasn't in my skill set to be able to handle it as well. Or maybe I just didn't have the, I guess, experience to handle it uh, as well as that GM did. Uh, but those are th- there's plenty of things that you can pick up from GMs and learn and um, attempt to use yourself. Maybe not everything's going to work, but, but you gave who it a knows? Try. Exactly. You give it a yeah. try. Maybe it will work. Yeah, and a lot of those, I mean, if you're picking up a new skill or you're trying something new. Plus, I don't play a lot of vampire, so it's not like I've refined my technique very well. What you actually described is the initiative rules by the book. Yes. And every White Wolf group I've played in has said that they felt the initiative rules were too complicated and house ruled to something else. See, it is. I've actually never seen it implemented, but I think it would be really interesting because it, it gives a very specific feel. Yeah, it really does. It, it she 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 was right nail on the head. She was on the money with it every time and it was just I was amazed at like I never thought when they first described this initiative order I'm like that's going to suck. But like after the first session I'm like, "Well, I want to keep doing that. That's really cool." You know, um it's just a it's just a cool thing that 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 GM did well. And that's really the whole point of this. If you're in a game and a GM does something well, you're like, well, that's pretty neat. You know, give it a shot. Try it. Practice it. Hone it. And then maybe it'll work well for you. 
Yeah, I was going to say that brings up an important point is like just because someone else is doing something well doesn't mean you're going to nail it the first time. Right. You have to make sure, you know, it's just like all your other skills as a GM, you know, most of them, some of them might seem intuitive, you know, even your first time at bat, like maybe you're just a natural storyteller. Maybe you're really good at, you know, coming up with like dungeon designs, but there's going to be a lot of skills, especially like you said, if you're trying to improve yourself as a, as a GM, they're going to just take practice. Yeah. You have to just make sure that you're 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 just trying to do it every time. Make little notes. I have little note cards bomb that I have by my you know at my my station when I'm running games. You just like remember this description. Like one of mine is description, description, description. Because sometimes, especially since I make my own custom battle map, sometimes I forget that I should actually be describing the scene too, not just like, hey, by the way, whatever is on this map is actually on the map because I right. made it for this this encounter. It's like it's legit. I it's not just a random map. And I, sometimes I forget that, like it's kind of made me a little bit lazy on descriptions, at least especially for combat scenarios. So I have this little note, description, description, description. Same thing for during combat. I want there to be more description during combat. I want players to tell me what they're doing, not just what they're rolling and what damage they're doing. I want, tell me what you're doing, but I need to make sure I'm doing that too. Mm-hmm. And as much as I want that, I'm still practicing it myself. So like, I'm not on any players about it because they're also trying to, they're following my lead of sometimes forgetting. And you know, it's just, uh, you know, skills are just that they're referred to as a skill because it takes practice. Right. Um, We also have, we talked a few, a few weeks ago about taking inspiration from various sources and games that you've played in. You can take inspiration from that to go on to another game and to use something that was really well done, really cool, and then bring right. that into your own game. Um, I actually, for my game, took Jared's introduction to the plane of Earth from our Strands campaign. Um, without getting into too much detail, you know, it's just it was just a magical transportation and just kind of general idea of it. And I kind of liked the idea; it was unique, so I just threw it into my other game in a place that fit. The players like, oh wow, that was kind of cool. And I had to say, well, it wasn't my idea originally because I picked it up as a player in somebody else's game, but it still enhanced my game when I went with another group that had never seen this done before. Um, Inspiration, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be stealing wholesale like that. Um, You can also just take, oh, I liked the voice that he did for his villain. I'm going to use that for my villain. Mm -hmm. Or I liked how he described this castle or anything like that. You can grab inspiration much like we talked about in that episode. I was just going to say like, basically just look at the episode that we talked about, you know, stealing inspiration and just remember that your GM is a source for that as well or whoever you're playing with, even other players. Right. Yeah. Uh, (coughs) Footnote, we're at 25 minutes yet, but we don't have any meat on this bone. (laughs) sorry um the player perspective is another thing that you can get as the gm you know once you've sat in the player's chair come back to the dm's chair you should be more cognizant of how your players are acting reacting um you know if you're working with the same group getting a different view on them might help you figure out what player type they are we right. spoke a long time ago about player types. We've been meaning to kind of come back and flesh that out a little bit more, yeah. um, which we may do in a future episode. But just to help figure out, okay, who are these people? How are they working? What can I do to connect with Ed, with Jared, or with anybody else that's at the table? 
you know, I might know a little, get a little insight on that from being a player that I can then use as a DM. Uh, mechanics also comes into play. Yeah. I mean, every time you play, you are going further into depth than you probably typically do as a GM into uh, the mechanics behind a character. So if you're playing like fifth edition D and D and you're playing in a high elf monk, and especially if you get a chance to play them into, you know, deeper levels, like say you get up to ninth plus level, you're now intimately familiar with how that monk class works, especially right. the, you know, the, like the whatever path you chose, like say you go way of the shadow, you know, all like, okay, I can do, I can jump. What is it? 60 feet from one. Uh, you know, I, I know that I can jump. I think it's 60 feet from one shadow to the next or, you know, dim lit area. Like it takes, you know, maybe it takes, I don't remember off the top of my head if it takes a key point or not, but like exactly if I had played a monk recently, I'd be able to tell you right off the top of my, uh, right off the top of my head, like all the details behind that. Um, you know, of course you'll get re uh, acclimated or re uh, familiarized with the, the high elf race. If you're not already intimate familiar races are a little bit easier to wrap your head around. There's not a lot of mechanics to them. But you're going to know that those mechanics inside and out because you've been playing that character exclusively. Whereas a DM, you're kind of like you're playing a lot of different things. You're typically playing monsters. Maybe you have, you know, maybe you're playing NPCs with classes. Maybe you're not. But you're not living and breathing that one character exclusively as the GM. You know, even your big bad evil guy, you kind of usually, you know, even if they're like, a, say they're a spellcaster, you probably have like a list of like their top five favorite spells that they like to cast. Even though technically they would have a whole huge spell list at like 19th level. These are their, their favorites. Yeah, so you can definitely learn some more of the mechanics. And even that's true with like some magical items and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually uh, running or no, I was playing in a game and the GM, uh, you know, started sort of gifting some of the players some magical items. And one of the items the GM gave one of the players was the I, I forget what they're exactly called, but it's there's like magical paint. And you use the paint to draw an item, and it creates the item for real. Noxella's marvelous pigments. That might that may be it. That sounds right. And the uh, to com be completely honest, like I forgot those things even existed. I, I had I was not in my mind, and she's describing them like, "Holy crap, that sounds like an awesome item!" Mm -hmm. And then she gives him the page number, and I'm like, "What?" So I open up my my dungeon master guide, and I start looking through. I'm like, "There it is." There's this thing that I, as a GM, might not even have thought of giving to my players because it's not, well, maybe it's not, uh, maybe maybe in my mindset, I'm a little more uh, uh, action or combat oriented. So I'd give them armor or I'd give them weapons or I make sure I give them gold so they can get things mm -hmm. instead of being like, hey, this is a really fun and interesting magical item that could do all of these different things. And now that this GM has given it to a player, it's like, okay, that's in the back of my head now that this might be something that I pass out to a player in a future game, just because of how interesting this can be. Right. Yeah. Like I'm a big fan of the immovable rods. I think that has a lot of creative uses other than just being a rod that doesn't move. And yet I've given it to players and they're like, thanks right. for nothing. And I'm like, you're, not thinking outside the box, sir. <laughs> it's a rod that doesn't move <laughs> with an on off switch. Yeah. And also those will give you good uh, options for NPCs. As I well. hate, I hate to cut you off, but we're talking about the immovable rod. And the very first thing that comes to mind of how to use it is your character is Stephen Amell. And he just starts doing pull-ups and like turns the rod off as he's like, like pulling his weight up. 
and then extends his arms and turns it back up. So he's essentially is slowly climbing like on that ladder thing that he climbs. Oh yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous, but that's the image I just got. Like, I'm just going to go start climbing up. <laughs> <laughs> Technically you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just got that image in my head. Oh, that's all right. Um, because what I was going to say was, you know, your familiarity with maybe the magic items or the character mechanics or whatever helps you make a, a richer NPC, whether antagonist or ally. Right. Um, you know, maybe you can have, okay, here's an antagonist that an assassin that the party has to track down. And it turns out it's a high elf shadow monk. Right. Because I just played one of those. I know how it works. And I know that I could make some really good challenges for the players by doing it this way. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be able to get out of every situation. And it's because they have these magical paints that allow them to do it. <laughs> or just have, you know, the wizards go, oh, here, these will be useful for you. Yeah. And not give them, you know, the detail. Just, oh, it's paint. Yeah, yeah. It'll be Thanks. really handy. Okay, go, okay, go. Take care of it. I'm going to be over here doodling a dragon. Don't mind me. No! <laughs> well. <laughs> I know that's not quite in the skill set, but. Right. <laughs> um, and um, also, for the, for the new GMs, for, for people who are sitting into the chair for the first time, um, a lot of this stuff from the player perspective should help you think, as a player, what did I want to see? And that can help you get started off on the right foot yeah. when you're starting as a new DM. And yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, I remember as, especially as a newer player, I'd go in, I'd do the game session, and I'd always be like, man, what's going to happen next? And I'd run through a million scenarios in my head. And oftentimes, it wasn't any of them. Yeah. But you can still use that experience and say, okay, well, if I were doing it, maybe it would be one of those other scenarios. You know, and not that whatever the GM brought up was bad. It certainly wasn't. It's just, that's just not what I thought up. And that's, you know, good exercise. If you're maybe a newer player thinking about GMing or, or, or whatnot, then think of things like that. You know, when you start thinking about the game and how it might turn out, if it doesn't end up that way, oh, okay, maybe now you sort of have a way to present a game that you're going to run. And yeah. it does go that way. You can kind of do it with like, okay, where would it go next? Or yeah. now that we finished this story, what plots could arise as a result of what we've done here. Right. Yeah. Um, have, having a new GM bring up something like that where he said that, okay, my players did this, which means I'm thinking three or four sessions down the road, I'm going to have this happen because of that, which leads into this. Exactly. And I just looked at him and like, dude, you're starting to think like a GM. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of advice that they would give someone that's going to wants to write a novel or make a movie, you know, write a script like, you know, make the movie that you want to see, write the book that you want to read, you know, playing the game that you want to play in, you know, like that's what people are going to like. If you would enjoy it, I'm sure someone else would enjoy it. And uh, again, the the preference or the uh, advantage of being a player in a group, if it's your first time GMing, but it's the same group that you've been a player for a part of. You know what everyone at the table likes, or you sh- most likely know at least to some degree what they like, what their player types are, you know what what moments they've enjoyed most in other people's games. So you can take that and incorporate that into like you know your your planning and and your your pregame setup. Okay, well I know that you know Freddie over here really likes to make combat machines. He likes to have a lot of combat. I need to make sure I have a, a you know a fair amount of combat. You know, even though Sue over here likes a lot of role playing, 
okay, so I need to make sure that, you know, like most of the table likes role playing, the other part of the table likes combat. That's that's how I should be breaking up my game. They don't no one really seems to care for puzzles. I should try to avoid those, maybe throw one in here and there just to mix it up. But don't go heavy on them. And you know that because you're a player at the table. You're not, you know, you might be sitting down the GM for the first time, but you know the group. So there's some things to think about and definitely, you know, to just be aware of that the player, the DM, they're two sides of the same coin and you can use experience from one to help with the other. And if you want to hear about how you can use your DM experience to be a better, have a better player experience and go listen to our last episode. Um, if you have any questions or comments or topics you'd like us to cover or even just stories you want to share, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, we're available on Facebook to like, comment, subscribe. You can look us up on Game Master Studio uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Game Master Studio, which you can get exclusive access to our blog and some early access to some projects we're working on. Uh, we are on Twitter at GMS Studios. And of course, we're here each week with new information, new uh, tips, tricks, and other ideas. So if there's anything you'd like to hear us cover, definitely give us a shot. And we'll see you next time we're in the studio.